the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. We are back at the time, 609, on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number one and talk with Tim in San Francisco. Line number one. Tim, are you there? Yes, I'm here, uh, Pastor Jesse. Um, Yeah, this is very interesting. Thank you for this wonderful talk show. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I live in San Francisco, and I'll I'll tell you, I've been saved for a lot of years. Uh, I also came out of bondage from meth and porn and things like that from the streets. Right. Um, it's very demonic. There, it you know, um, where the world is going. I know nothing takes God by surprise, right? True. And we as the church have to stand for righteousness and stand for what's right and stand for morality and preach the gospel and not compromise in a in a world that's been so compromised um by you know actually i mean there's a it's the spirit behind this right the bible says we don't battle with flesh and blood but against the um you know the principalities and powers and spiritual wickednesses Yes, it's wickedness at, at its very core. The thing is, yes, um, the worst victim here is that is that child. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just as you explained it. But my, I have a hard time not thinking that even this gay couple, or even the grandparents, or the sister, has. I mean, has has to kind of somewhere in their, um, you know, thinking has thought about that but it's like um once you cross the line over into you know compromise and you know what the world says but science says and we're doing it out of love because we're going to love this child it's like you could you know once you start to compromise it just goes further and further and further it's kind of like this coming out of the bondage of por- mm-hmm. pornography. Mm-hmm. Some people say, well, soft porn with just a man and a woman, that's okay, it's not bad. But then, it, I mean, I don't want to change the subject, but it's like, but if you open up that door, then the next door is lesbianism, and then gay porn, and then bestiality, and then this. I mean, it just doesn't stop. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So how does a Christian, or how does how do we handle that? You know, without apologetics or counsel somebody, or or try and show them that it's wrong. Well, first of all, I believe the Holy Spirit is the one that has to really bring the conviction. And I've tried to witness to to gay men and women and, you know, people lost and stuff. And, I mean, they're so defensive, you know. Yep. Um, there was a parade the other day. Sure. You know, rainbow and gay. Sure, sure. You know, per- parade with the men completely nude, yep, you know, yep, yep. and with children right in front of them. Yep. And I said, you know, if you're going to do that, how about the children? Yep. And they had this big sign that said, Peter Rabbit died for your sins. I mean, it's 
I mean, it's blasphemous. It's it's, it, it is. Yeah. It is exactly what you said. And you are right on several levels, Tim. Um, and first and foremost, it's spiritual. I don't suggest that anybody do anything about anything going on in the world without first having a vital prayer life. Because if you're not armored up, you're just going to get beat up <clears throat> like the seven Sceva brothers in Acts chapter 19. We don't want that. Secondly, I think that you do have to have and evangelical compassion for lost sinners so that the love of God can fuel your heart that you might stand for the truth being ready to be attacked uh, for it. Thirdly, you have to be able to give a sound biblical answer. That's apologetics to why it is that what they are doing does not correspond with God's will for their life. And one would hope that being uh, spiritually uh, protected by the armor of God, by a deep commitment to Christ yourself and uh, being evangelically um, uh, uh, fervent in terms of love for lost men and women and then apologetically equipped um, that that would be enough for God to be able to draw men and women out of that. It would be, Tim. Pl- please know that. But you are absolutely right. It is a fierce, fierce spiritual war that is relentless and God calls it a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's where they are. Listen, thank you for the call. Thank you for the observations and keep on doing what you're doing. I'm thanking God that he has brought you out of a lot of that so that you can be uh, one of those brothers that can go back there and let men and women know there's a way out. We got to keep doing it. Let me go to line number uh, uh Three. Let me see here. No, it's line number four. And talk with Lisa in San Jose before I go to the break. Lisa, on line number four, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, Lisa, you are. It sounds like you're on the road. You okay? I am okay. I'm hands free. Thank you for asking. Okay, what's your question, observation, or comment on our topic? So this is my full observation, and I could be very wrong. Who knows? Mm-hmm. With regards to the couple, the gay couple, the two men that wanted that little baby. Sure. I guess where I'm come, what I'm looking at, where do we divide law and grace? This is a life we're talking about, baby Uma's life. She's brought into this world, hopefully for the true love that... A man's desire to carry his genes is very strong. The sister involved, maybe she felt the same deep love and compassion that her brother could not, you know, was in this situation. I'm not saying that it's right, but that is a lie. And where does one understand that it's not we to judge that this occurred, whether it does not have the social, you know, it's so, you know, wrong socially. But where does the Holy Spirit and where does the grace of God fall upon this family, this man, these two men, these human beings, this child? That's all I have to say about that situation as shocking and as unconventional and as eye-widening as it is. And I'm very conservative, by the way, but that is a lie. Um, Lisa. Yes? Do you know your Bible? 
Yes. Okay, so you, so you say you're conservative now. Do you know your Bible? Because uh, you opened up with a premise yes. statement, my sister. You opened up with a fundamentally premise statement that uh, <clears throat> creates a real tension. You're asking about law yes. versus you're asking about law versus grace. So your 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 fundamental observation is the bifurcation or division of or separation between law and grace, as if this because is a, you quoted law. You quoted law all through this situation, and I want to know where does grace come in? Well, grace comes in through the law as well, because the law tells you and I the things that we shouldn't be doing. But the and, grace and, and, comes in where. Well, grace doesn't. Even for this situation, but but grace doesn't ever condone sin. No. Okay. So now, so now here, so this is why I ask people: How would you respond to it if it came to your doors? If you are an evangelical Christian, you if you are an evangelical Christian, you said you're conservative. Then you will know that the New Testament quotes several times all through the New Testament quotes several times the Decalogue, the <clears throat> the Torah, the 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 codes of Leviticus concerning our behavior, that the New Testament, which is filled with a fundamental grace premise because it's talking to the church, it never tells us that we are to operate uh, with our gifts and tools outside of the stewardship of God. Like, it's not grace for me to just say it's all right for you to sleep around with some man without being married. That's not grace. No, and that's not where I'm saying. And okay, I'm so so I, so, I'm saying, I'm saying. so what I'm saying is so what I'm what I asked you was, do you have the ability to articulate a gospel presentation to people in this kind of broken situation? Yes. Okay, show me how you would do it. So, several, actually. Number one, he who has not sinned cast a first stone. That's not a gospel. That's not a gospel statement. That is, okay. That's not a gospel statement. It sounds like what you are doing is saying is you don't have the mandate by the word of God to do what Romans 2 plainly says. In Romans 3, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. What I have done is sin. What you have done is sin. What those two men have done is sin. That's where it starts. How are you going to help them if you don't tell them what they've done is wrong? thing one more thing it it is a wrongful situation it is in every aspect it is a wrongful situation however and why um, should they repent but if you, if you don't tell them that it's wrong why should they repent lisa because that's a matter that belongs in god's hands completely well what do and, you have to do with it two, what do you have to do with it two, Lisa, Lisa, that's not true. That's not true. If you're an evangelical Christian and that's set at your doorstep and they're saying to you, Lisa, uh, this is what we plan on doing. Now, we know you are a biblical believing Christian. Lisa, that's what you say you are. Tell us in the Bible what the Bible would say about us being married. Uh, two men. What does the Bible say about us having children, one through my sister and one through my grandmother? What would the Bible say about that? Would that be pleasing to the Lord or is there a better way? Would you be able to answer that? It's an abomination for two men to be together, homosexuality. It's an abomination for there to be that type of relationship, uh, you know, family-wise. But my my definition of incest is when it's uh, 
you know, touching, and I don't know if it's, it's categorized as incest. It's totally incest. My sister, it's totally incest, but it's done scientifically now. This is why I said in my opening monologue, we have moved to a secular scientific sociological construct in our world where we can do do things in test tubes without the physical connection. Sure, we can avoid her having sex with her brother, but if his eggs and her, her eggs and his sperm are combined together, that's incest. In anybody's book, it's incest. So while I understand your... Um, your apparent pathos and 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 compassion toward them, I, I you know I appreciate what you're saying. I think you can do a little bit better job of owning a biblical approach to John sixteen eight. And when He, the Spirit of Truth, is come, He will convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. A gospel presentation would say this is wrong. Uh, this is what Christ did because of what's wrong. And this is the outcome when you and I, by faith, repent over what is wrong and look to Christ as our Savior to help us overcome that. That's the gospel that we're not hearing today. We don't really want to call it for what it is because we are dealing with a, a, a position, a sinner that doesn't start with the glory of God. Thank you for your call. Bless you. I got to take a break. When I come back, I'll take um, Camille, Dan, and Jermaine. One line open, one 367 one What's going to happen when it comes to your doorstep? Will you be able to lovingly tell the truth in love and lay it out in a biblical way where, where God is honored? Okay, we love the child and we have concern for the folks. But really, what is the biblical gospel presentation for brokenness like that? And do we really separate the old from the new? That's impossible to do. Do you know that virtually 80% of everything in the New Testament is a reference from the Old Testament? Now, we know that we have moved from a law covenant to a grace covenant, but a grace covenant does not allow us to sin that grace may abound. And Jesus confronted the sinners and John the Baptist confronted the sinners and Peter confronted them and Paul confronted them. And uh, and and the church has throughout history that has been faithful to the word of God has confronted them both biblically, evangelically and apologetically. And that's kind of where I'm talking to you about today, because otherwise you're going to be wore out. That's that's Daniel 7:25, and he shall think to change times and seasons and laws and wear out the saints of the most high God. Antiochus Epiphanes was the first fulfillment of that. And then every Antichrist system up to the very hour that you and I are in. I'm going to take a break. I'll come back. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back to the time 628 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I appreciate the callers, um, my last caller's um, attempt at bringing some compassion into the conversation and topic. But really, that's one of the areas in which I am completely disturbed about our churches today, <clears throat> particularly um our churches that are moving more into a a, uh, a social justice paradigm apart from the gospel of, of repentance. So when you think about the gospel, just think about these five R's, and they are inherent in not only the embodiment of the biblical gospel that God himself authored, accomplished, and applies, but it's the biblical gospel that the apostles preached and by inspiration of the Spirit left to us in the codified word of God. 
the gospel is about righteousness. It's not about mere freedom. There's no freedom without righteousness. Righteousness is what liberates us. Romans 1 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto everyone that believes unto the Jew first, then also to the Gentile for therein is the righteousness of God. When Romans is carefully understood the whole book of Romans, Paul is saying the whole world will have to reckon with a righteous God. So the gospel starts with righteousness. It promises reconciliation on the grounds of regeneration leading to repentance and restoration. Righteousness, reconciliation, regeneration, repentance, and restoration. And some would say, Pastor, what about repentance first? You can't repent until you're actually authentically born again. But if God has accomplished the righteousness for us in Christ, and he has declared us reconciled through the blood atoning work of Christ, and we actually believe that by faith, then we have been born again. He that believeth on the Son of God is already born again, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And the evidence of really believing God is repentance. And repentance will lead to a life of restoration. That is a process of restoration through sanctification where we will be turning from our old paths. We won't stay there. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, homosexuals, nor drunkards, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the apostle used that excommunication standard several times, Galatians, Corinthians, Ephesians, and it closes out the book of Revelation that way. So the gospel calls for us to confront people evangelically, apologetically, and biblically and call them to repentance. You don't need to be waffling around sin. The work of the Holy Ghost is to convince people of sin only when he has worked through us to say, hey, this is what the Bible says about us. That we're sinners and, and we violated God's law and we need to actually reckon with that. God is only glorified when you and I come to acknowledge our transgressions and sins. That's what has to be said to that couple. Do you agree? Let me see. Let me go to uh, Dan on line number two and I'll get to you, Camille, in a moment. Dan on line number two. Dan, are you there? Yes. Um, what this environment is driving me to is to... What the scripture that says, what do you have to show? What do you gain from that of which you were formerly ashamed? And uh, Yep, that's Romans 6. Romans 6, go ahead on. I'm not altogether sure that I would handle this situation with love, but I want to return to what, uh, just briefly to what uh, Nelson had brought up. Number one is this idea of pedagogy as defined within the context of social justice. I was reading about that, and it was very scary. Mm -hmm. Number two, this is what I'm saying. I'm not sure I would handle with love the way I should. I don't get why there's some people that don't seem to understand that they lost the war between the states. They lost the Civil War, but they don't seem to get that point, or that the... uh, some of the thought process of the time was discredited. And thirdly, there's a major welfare boondoggle that tobacco is subsidized. 
I still don't understand why tobacco needs to be subsidized in this country, which is largely a southern product. So, I mean, I'm stymied by just trying to... Uh, I'm glad that God can handle this, but I don't seem to be able to. Right. Now, what, you, uh, what you're talking about, Dan, is the fundamental chaos and intrinsic inconsistency and um, cognitive dissonance his, uh, with present advocates that fail to realize the trajectory of history all the way back to the Civil War, as you are, are, are stating, and, and, and not recognizing some of the uh, political errors that have made all the way up to the present time around some of these types of things. I, 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 I get that. I understand that. But I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't let that paralyze your confidence in, let's say, uh, the possibility of a healthy and, and, and comprehensive dialogue about history in a factual way on both sides in a context of a debate so that people can actually hear what's going on versus the revisionism that often goes on at least on the left uh, and frequently on the right as well when the right doesn't have uh, a strong biblical basis for being able to say, you know what, we were right in these areas and we were wrong in these areas. See, when you're able to actually admit you're wrong in certain areas, then you can, you know, you can begin to win over your opponents. But if all we're doing is tugging left and right and the, your opponent is always right and, and and I'm always right, then we can never, ever uh, make any headway. And uh, that's what I hear a lot of, Dan, around the social justice arguments. And I think that both sides are blinded uh, by um, by passions and goals that really don't have the glory of God uh, as its highest priority. Well, you know, I was trying, but, you know, last week I misstated something because I didn't like the way I stated it. It's both you and I that if we took a, a uh, what do you call those things, uh, a DNA test, we would find out that we were Gentiles, both yep. of us would. Yep, yep, and, that's right. Uh, I didn't mean to say only you would, but I would too. But no, I, I actually is, got that. I actually got that. I defended you. I, I I understood that your your logic was clear to me. That's why when you got off the line, I, I said you know there's good likelihood not only are you and I Gentiles, but we're brothers. So if I if I condemn you as an all white man, uh, you know being the sole grounds for all of my miseries, uh, I'm condemning myself. It's absolutely absurd. But what I had a really good friend down from uh, Plaquemine, Louisiana, and as far as I can understand, some of the people that live over there are naturally much more beautiful than I would be. You know, if you want to look You at, and me, uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> and them are my kinfolks. Because <laughs> I'm Creole, so a lot of my folks are from Louisiana. Yes. <laughs> You're very articulate. Okay. You know, he he had some funny little... Patterns that he learned in Plaquemine, Louisiana, that he would talk. Absolutely. The Lord's willing. If Lord, I, I said, "Where Rome? Where's that word if? It's put, oh, Lord's willing, I'm going to do this. And I, okay, all right. So it was kind of, I loved it. It Listen. was kind of like learning to my own language from a, an expert in another way to speak. And you never so, know. Uh, you never know. You never know. If you follow that tree long enough, brother, you never know. You might have you some Franca in there as well. You never know, Dad. Listen, uh, you never know. God is still good in being able to transcend our earthly tree and connect us to Christ. And that's where the real bloodline should be for every believer. Uh, you got anything else to say before I move on to my next well, caller? Just as long as I hope that people will answer my questions for me, because I, I, I need to go to the Lord with this and have him. It's a hard struggle. I'm re, I, right now, you were bringing this up, and I'm reading uh, 
what's his name? Stephen Arterburn's book with Jack Felton on toxic faith. Yeah. I'm reading through yeah. that book. Yeah. And I'm struggling with the fact that I, a lot of social pressure was not put on me, but the doctrinal mistakes that I learned as a young kid yep. and later rejected, it, it, putting them into practice has wreaked some havoc on my life as well as other people's lives. Yep. And uh, luckily, he's got this companion book that says "More Jesus, Less Religion." You know, yeah. Put with that properly so comprehended. I want to finish on. Yeah, properly comprehended. More Jesus, less religion can work in situations where we have come out of cultic brainwashing systems that have left a lot of scars for a lot of us. Thanks, Dan. Let me see here. Uh, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I will deal with Camille. Uh, Jermaine and then Gerald. Camille, Jermaine, and Gerald after the break. One line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. For real. If we were to uh, start dealing with the historical revisionism <clears throat> on both sides of the Civil War and and slavery and Jim Crow and and everything that's going on. Um, a lot of our conservative brethren would have to eat a lot of crow and uh, our liberal brethren would have to just stop this foolishness that goes on around reparations because uh, it's just impossible. And, and the gospel gives us great, much more than reparations. It gives us ultimate and eternal restoration in Jesus Christ. What's being lost in the conversation uh, to the detriment of souls is the gospel. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Okay, we are back. Let's go to line number three and talk with Camille in San Lorenzo. Camille, are you there? Hello. Hi, Camille. Hi, Pastor Jesse. Um, Just a couple uh, quick things. The lady that had called earlier and you were explaining to her um, about grace not being a license to to sin. Yes. um, I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. But that is is the... um, that's the sound yep. that is out there, unfortunately. Yep. And there was a gentleman that was talking about what are the kids going to go do when they go to school and how are they going to feel. Unfortunately, they're not going to feel different yep. because it's so commonplace now. Yep. It is the, the, the unnatural norm yep. that is out there at this point. And to, to have somebody, you know, to be able to, to wisely articulate to that individual that's really seeking you know the, the help in this situation. I'm, I'm, um, I'm in love with this person, and 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 maybe they, they don't understand. You know that that um, it's it's just not a feeling, or whatever that that they're going through. These are emotions, and they, and they can certainly change it and be rectified towards the correct um, venue that they should be, right. as opposed to something that's perverse right. and not understanding that. But it it. It's, it breaks my heart that these kids do go to school. They 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 teach that in public school. Um, they have books. <clears throat> you're two mommies. You're two daddies. Yep. So it's not going to be a situation where the kids are going to go to school and, oh, you know, and feel any type of way. And the bottom line is that kids love their parents. Yep. And it is going to be the norm for them. So how do we combat that? If somebody's actually coming and they're saying, you know, help us. Mm-hmm. Help us to understand this. How do we? How do we? You know, break this, this, um, this curse that's over our life. How do we come out of this sin? Yep. Then that's a different story. You can sit down with somebody, but you can't have a conversation with somebody that thinks it's okay. 
and you can't, you, you can't and, unless it's your assignment to engage them in um, the assumption that it's okay. And and this is where our female caller, uh, in my opinion, as you stated, Camille, very very um, um, observantly, discerningly, that's this is not only the general tenor of the culture that uh, that is dominant in our secular society where things are okay. Uh, relative to public schools, because the public school is the Petri dish out of which what I stated in my opening monologue about moving away from uh, a God centered, sacred, spiritual man identity to a secular, uh, social um uh, scientific, politically centered man, where we are God ourselves and the tools that God has given us, which were designed to discover God's glory and to be employed uh, in a stewardship fashion, i.e. our bodies, i.e. A, a man and a woman, i.e. sexuality, i.e. family, i.e. children, and many other things that God has clearly and explicitly laid out in his word are designed to discover the fullness and beauty and splendor and glory of a God of order, of a God of structure, of a God of purpose, and a God of design, where we take those tools that God gives us, which are designed for revelation uh, and therefore enjoyment, and then to use them for our own lust and purposes is where we enter into the chaos of destruction and uh, and and morbid, morbid depression and anxiety and all of the maladies that our present world is is experiencing. So the sec- the secular school system. does not promote a biblical worldview. And I agree with you that it is designed to accelerate exponentially a new norm, which has been going on under our noses for a long time as believers. Uh, And yet I am saying to the believer, uh, as well as I'm sharing with you, because you seem to be grounded, do not despair. Just go deeper into knowing what the word of God says, what the gospel really is, because where I see the problem occurring, Camille, is that in our churches, men and women are losing the gospel. They are losing the primacy of a love for God, a love for the glory of God, a love for the truth of God. And they are collapsing into a horizontal love for the creature first. Like our friend, she talked about the little girl, but she didn't talk about the glory of God. And this is the masterful deception that's going on in the social social justice gospel. God is not at the center of most of what's going on in the social justice gospel. I'm sorry, not the biblical God, because they are not speaking to the offense that takes place against God first. And where God is not at the center or foundation of all of this we call the gospel, Camille, we need to just abandon the gospel and just go love on people with all of the whimsical opinions and and uh, and assumptions that we have. But if we're going to be God's children in a wicked and ungodly world holding forth the word of light, then we're going to have to find out how to be biblical, how to be evangelical, that is how to be as charitable as Christ was, confronting and giving solutions, not not condemning, confronting, because the world is condemned already, according to the Bible, confronting and giving solutions. That's what you and I are going to have to do with our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, our brothers, our sisters, when they come in, having been trapped by this secular system. There is no way around recovery of our present world other than the very gospel that saved men and women 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago. Unless we recover the gospel, all of this is smoke and mirrors. I agree completely. 
All right, thank, thank you. you. Bless you. Bless you, girl. Bless you and keep blessing you. Let me go to line number uh, – let me see here. Let me go to line number one and talk with Jermaine. Yolanda and Gerald, you hold on. Jermaine, what's your question, comment, or observation? Well, I guess I had an observation, uh, Brother Jesse. You know, I, I had this situation presented to me in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was close to home because it was actually family. Sure. And, uh, you know, a relative of mine is, is in a – a homosexual relationship mm-hmm. or a lesbian relationship and just asking for advice, the the conversation, in my opinion, started off a little fraudulently because we both know how each other feel, but we do love each other. Sure. And um, after a while, just say, you know, situation led to where this person was inebriated and then the truth starts coming out, the frustration, yep. the anger, yep. and, and the angst of just not being able to have a child through through normal means and the unfairness of it all. And for me, you know, I went through a situation that humbled me to where I could see this person's point of view instead of trying to be right, just trying to help and present things as, as a Christian who actually has love for the person. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I got to break down exactly why, you know, her frustrations and her anger, what the source of it was and how no matter what she, she would not be bearing a child through, you know, through normal means, it was going to take something extraordinary and outside of God's will, and also defining terms, because she says she's married, right? And that's so you you are married, but there's a difference in biblical marriage and what you're in, and you have to understand the the purpose of that. Yep. So we, you know, just just lovingly presenting the truth to someone. As if you care about them, you care about their soul. Is uh, will help me out tremendously. Absolutely, and and uh, just as many communities would make the assumption that's listening, people who are you know maybe even offended by my passion, um, which I don't particularly care about them being offended by my passion because my passion is really about uh, this kind of hypocrisy of pseudo love that is willing to abandon the clear presentation of the gospel. And, and and explicit biblical truths around the the the, the troubles and, and challenges that people have. Your cousin is is an eternity bound soul. At the end of the day, I, I'm I'm gonna end up cutting off our callers and reading from Jackie Hill Perry's twenty quotes because she speaks very well to this. Having come out of the homosexual lifestyle, this will be very edifying for us to do. For so for the last five minutes, that's what I'm gonna do. Thanks for the call, uh, Jermaine. Let me go to line number uh, two and talk with Yolanda and. Oakland. Yolanda, are you there? I am here, Pastor Jesse. Good evening. Yes, I can. What's your question, comment, or observation? My question is, why is it people who study the Word, pastors, say that uh, marriage is between a man and a man and a woman and a woman, when nowhere do you see that in the Word of God when you study Scripture? It speaks to marriage of being between a man and a woman. So why are Christians you know, caving to that whole idea. Well, I, I just think that. Go ahead. I don't know. I don't know any pastors personally. So this is going to actually speak to uh, uh, birds of a feather flock together for a moment. This, this, and this is you know every every seed bearing herb bring forth fruit of its own kind. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, "You shall know them by the fruits." And so, false prophets and false teachers are going to always be man centered and cater to the flesh. They always are. 
That's not sometime always will cater to the flesh. It will never have as its highest objective and purpose, the glory of God. And so you're going to have the, the trajectory of our, our present horizontal religious culture that's social and man-centered in nature talk to you as if they're Christians uh, without any kind of uh, shame for expressing non-biblical concepts. And it's because they never really did believe the Bible to be the authoritative, inerrant, infallible word of God to, to begin with. This is why you have your litany of, uh, of, uh, of people who have abandoned uh, biblical boundaries, whether it's male, female, whether it's uh, leadership in the church, whether it's uh, sex in the context of marriage only, all of the boundaries are broken by liberal, uh, progressive, pseudo-Christian preachers today. All of those boundaries are broken. Um, I would hurry up and just basically abandon seeking biblical counsel from them. Don't be frustrated. There are good men and good women out there that are willing to tell the truth according to Jesus and according to the Bible, but it is a growing apostasy out there, and that's what you're going to get as a trend. So uh, you won't get that here. You wouldn't get that with the colleagues with whom I associate with. It just wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen although there is a growing apostasy for many. Unfortunately, I've known men who started off right and they are woefully wrong after 10 years and after 15 years and after 20 years abandoning biblical truth for this uh, very, uh, very emotionally driven horizontal gospel of care for people um, at the um, expense of the gospel. Uh, bless you, Yolanda. Bless you. Let me uh, let me go to my last caller here on line number three. Venus, are you there? I am. I got one minute. I got one minute. Okay, well, I'm hearing you in this conversation, and you said one word, and you said pseudo. Yeah. You know? And that seems to be all the way across the board. Now, you you know what? You're you're breaking up on me. Oh, I'm out. I'm not at home. I'm out in the the world here. Okay, so stop right there. Stop right there so I'm not going to let you waste the time for for your good. We got something coming up here real soon. What is that program? Um, the program, well, one is tomorrow. It's at Mingle Church in Oakland. That's probably what you're talking about. At what time? Mingleton Church. It starts at 9 a.m. at Mingleton Church in Oakland. It's a screening of the Guardians. It has to do, again, with the abuse and the neglect through the probate court system of our elderly and dependent adults. So that's tomorrow. Who's, uh, who's, who, who hosted that film? Um, the host of the film, this one is Rhea Cotton. Okay. Part of the Realtors group. Yep. And they're having their Realtors Week this week. And so this is what Rhea Cotton, bless her heart, has opened her heart to do, to share with pastors in the community. So there's supposed to be um, pastors there having a roundtable and discussing the community issues that are going on, and one is probate court. And well, I'm going to try to catch that tomorrow, and I think that that's one of the most important things we could have got out in these last few minutes. Yes. Bless yes, you, yes, girl. Yes. Bless you. Okay, I'll, I'll catch you next week. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. As we get ready, I got about how many minutes I've got? I got three minutes. All right, I'm going to start quoting from a young lady who came out of the homosexual culture, Jackie Hill Perry. You can look her up on your own. Very good poet, very good spoken word, young African-American sister who has been on the circuit now operating out of a fairly sound gospel framework. I just want you to hear these are called 20 quotes on identity from Jackie Hill Perry. And you can 
find this article on the Gospel Coalition, although be very careful about what you read there. Listen to this young African-American woman who came out of the homosexual lifestyle, is married and operating out of a heterosexual lifestyle with her husband and their children. The following quotes. Eve figured fruit and not faith, sin and not obedience would give her the wisdom she needed to be more perfect than she already was. Interestingly enough, some of what she saw was true. The tree was indeed good for food and pleasant to the sight. God had made it that way. The deception was in believing that the tree was more satisfying to the body and more pleasurable to the sight than God. Quote number one, quote number two, unbelief doesn't see God as the ultimate good. So it can't see sin as the ultimate evil. It instead sees sin as a good thing and thus God's commands as a stumbling block to joy. In believing the devil, I didn't need a pentagram pendant to wear. Neither did I need to memorize a hex or two. All I had to do, she said, was trust myself more than God's word. I had to believe that my thoughts, my affections, my rights, my wishes were more worthy of absolute obedience and that in laying prostrate before the flimsy throne that I had made for myself, that I'd be doing a good thing. Three, just as Eve let her body tell her what she should do with it instead of God's word, which wouldn't have reminded her of what it was made for. I was inevitably prone to the same kind of unbelief, the one in which sin seemed better than submission. Or where women who are beautifully and wonderfully made just as the tree had been would be more beautifully and more wonderfully than I could consider God to be. Four, apparently this body was never mine to begin with. It was given to me for, from somebody for somebody. Number five, passing the blunt between us. I shook my head. It's God get, trying to get my attention to make my life harder or something. That's what I said. Is that what he's doing? I said blowing out smoke between questions. Uh, I said out loud, but mainly meant for God to hear it, and I relented. And relent. I mean, does God want me that much as grace would have it? The answer is he did. Ah, wish I could go on, but I'll stop right there. Go look it up for yourself. So there are people who are coming out. And I mean coming out. Out of darkness into the light. Until next time, God bless you. Keep your eyes on him. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.